Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Alongside with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, today we have a busy, busy day to talk about stuff. Uh, it was a busy week. We have a lot of injuries, uh, team reports, stuff like that. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, not as exciting as of a topic to get to, but it's very important that we get to this. Uh, Don Cherry was fired this past week for his comments made on Saturday night, uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, he refused to apologize for them after. Uh, I'm sure anyone listening to a hockey podcast by this point has seen and heard the comments over and over again. So we don't, we are not going to talk about this for too long, but I mean, it is a very important thing. So we figured we would talk about it. Uh, I don't know. What were your thoughts just when he said it? And I guess, you know, as the week progressed. So I didn't really see it till the day after. No, I saw it like that evening, late that evening or the day after. But yeah, so I just saw Twitter freaking out about it because I think we were drinking Saturday. Uh, no, it would have been, you had a midterm the next day. Oh, okay. That's what I was doing. Okay. So I wasn't watching hockey anyways. So I just wake up and see Twitter freaking out about it. And that's not unusual on a Saturday, especially given who I follow. And I assume who most of the people who listen to this podcast follow. I assume same Mm -hmm. for you. When Don Cherry speaks, people get upset. It's pretty much a weekly event. But this seemed very, very different. And... Like, clearly it was, like, the reaction to it was clearly much greater than most of the things he says in the past, right? Yeah. has said. And I think part of that is because uh, even in the past, you know, and Don's had some very, very, very bad comments. Uh, Yeah, he's had some horrific comments. uh, It's, you know, I I guess before I say anything, no, at the end of the day, you don't want to see anyone's career end like this. Because it's sad for all parties involved. Like, at the end of the day, I still probably would have much rather see Don just have his own send-off, be like, all right, I'm done, and that's it, than have to go through this. Because... There's no way to spin this as a pause. No, not at all. Don Cherry being off the air, I think, is good. For hockey. Yeah, but but there's no way to spin this situation as a pause. The way it happened is very, very bad, and the most important part is that, you know, we reach out to the people that were targeted by the remarks, because I can tell you right now... Chase and I were not the two people who were offended by the remarks. We are two white guys yeah. who do a podcast in our parents' basement. Like, yeah. But when you say, you people, and I saw some stretching online as you're going to for defending him, saying, well, he meant everyone. You no. know exactly who he was when talking When you said, about. you people come into our country and take our way of life, that is a very specific group of people. The honey comment, too. The yeah. milk and honey is like a biblical reference, I'm pretty sure, too. Like, so it is just, all of that is inappropriate. Um, but, you know, I think the difference between this and what is usually is in the past, you know, the xenophobia and stuff like that, um, it had to do with hockey. And that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it right at all. But I think that is what kept the outcry from just, you know, maybe the people that we follow on Twitter to, like, national media outlets and stuff like that. Whereas this was just nothing about hockey. And uh, well, I'm not going to get into a poppy argument or anything. I think if you want to say the, the point he was trying to make was okay, sure. But he has a history of 
this kind of stuff, so I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt that he meant everyone in Canada. Well, that's the thing. Like, you don't have to read everybody's... Because some people were saying, oh, you don't know who he's talking about or whatever. That argument relies on the fact that you read this piece of text as if a bot wrote it. Mm -hmm. And you're allowed to go into what people say with priors on that person. And our priors on Don Cherry tell us there's absolutely not a chance in hell he deserves the benefit of the doubt. No. Uh, You know, in his past, he's been... You know, xenophobic quite often against European players. Uh, a couple years ago, he was quoted saying women shouldn't be in the locker room. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? You know, there's a clip going around from, I don't know, the early 2000s that he literally just came out and said, I'm a nationalist. Yeah. Um, He's, he was anti-visor, I believe, and I'm sure when CTE begins killing even more people than or leading to more tragic things than it already has, I should say. I'm sure we will look at that in a terrible light, too. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, this is a good thing for hockey going forward, but a bad situation. Uh, Yeah, like, he hurt people. Yes. Yeah, like, it sucks, right? And uh, he didn't, you know, I think... I think if he would have came out and apologized or, you know, said he would have apologized Saturday, he'd probably still be on the air right now, rightfully or wrong, wrongly. Oh, yeah. But he probably would be. And uh, from all reports, you know, uh, he did about he, – he's just doing the media tours now. And, he went um, on Tucker Carlson? Yeah. I did not think that was real. No. But by all reports, you know, there was about three stories in Canada that broke about an hour apart – the first one said, I'm not apologizing, I've never apologized, I meant what I said, I meant who I said, this is what I am. The next one was like, oh yeah, no, you don't know who I was talking about, I could have been talking about everyone. And the third one was, I would have apologized Saturday. So I think he kind of came to the realization, now, at the end of the day, he didn't apologize, he's done. Uh, we need to use this as a learning experience to try and help inclusivity, help promote inclusivity in the sport. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have much to say other than that. Because um, it's okay to be like, these comments weren't directed at me. I am not personally offended because it wasn't an attack on me, but it's also very, very wrong that he said that, right? Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think as two people who love the sport, we want to see it grow. And the way for it to grow is, you know, t- to get inclusive of everyone. Yeah. You know, Canada is a growing population and it's growing because we have immigrants and that's great yeah you know like without immigrants we wouldn't be able to keep the jobs that we need supplied uh i i feel like people don't understand that like you know people i don't know like we're not going to get into the whole immigrant thing but you know it's great to see that yeah diversity is canada's strength yes and i think kind of a cliche but it's true yeah and i think i don't know like maybe this is a cliche too but you know you look at uh, Jurassic Park this year for the Raptors fans. Yeah, it wasn't just a hundred or thousands of white people. It was people of all you know, race, gender, everything. Yeah, it was awesome. It, it was everyone. It was awesome, and and I think that's what hockey should strive to be. And you know, when you have a guy on national television who is one of the most known people in hockey, He's saying one of that, the most known people in Canada. Yes, yeah. saying that every saying stuff like that every Saturday night, it's just not going to work. So, uh, you know, that being said. Uh, in the early stages of Don's career, yes, he absolutely was a an influencer on how broadcasting and sports broadcasting worldwide uh, was affected. Well, and he still had, up until last Saturday, huge influence on sports broadcasting, yes. right? Like, that's prime time. Te- like, that's huge but in Canada. it's been years overdue since he should be... Re- he should have been removed years ago. Yeah. Um, when was the last time you watched Coach's Corner? Like, a whole segment? Yeah. 
four years ago. Yeah, I don't, I couldn't tell you. Maybe more. Yeah, like, sometimes if I'm sitting on my couch, maybe I'll listen to what he's saying, but I'll probably be on my laptop doing stuff there instead. Yeah. But even then, half the time, I just switch through. Or, you know, I'll go walk the dog or something in the intermission. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, the point now is going forward, you know, change. Show you want to change. You know, for, for Sportsnet, I know there's some outcry that... You know, maybe they weren't doing this for the exact right reason that they just saw finally someone that they were going to cut in the summer and he, he saved his job by going on a Twitter tirade. But, uh, you know, show that you want to change. You know, put someone yeah. in a position that's new, that's different, you know, that's going to show inclusive uh, like inclusive for everyone. Yeah, they can do huge things with this role. Yeah. Right? Um, if, this time slot, I should say, not this role. I'm hoping the role is gone. Yes. Uh, you know, I recommend, I highly recommend going and listening to the latest uh, Steve Dangle podcast. Adam's rant on this was pretty good. It yeah. was one of the best segments I've ever, ever heard. And, you know, Adam's an on-air personality. So He's yeah, better at this than his, we are. His, yeah. It's his job. But it is just, out of all the takes, it was one of the best. And so I, this will probably come out Monday. We're recording this Friday. So it'll probably be, by this time, the second last podcast. But I believe it was labeled Here We Are. And it's it's a long segment. It's about the last 45 minutes of the episode or yeah, so. Yeah, it is very long. But go and listen to it. It is, it, it's just, it's everything that I, it's, it's a lot of what I wanted to say wrapped up in just the perfect way put. Um, Agreed. And, and one of the biggest parts, I think, for it was that, uh, he said Sportsnet should be excited now going forward that they yeah. have the chance to change their product, to try something different, and I totally agree with that. I completely agree, too. Um, so I, I, I guess, you know, and by the time this is out, we'll already have seen what is happening Saturday. Uh, we, so, you know, we're kind of guessing at this time recording it. Um, what I would like to see going forward is that, that segment scrapped. Uh, 100%. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did scrap it. I don't think... It's like it wouldn't be fair to whoever they put in there to. No, whoever they put in there is destined to fail. Yeah, like it's just not something that needs to continue. I think Brian Burke could be the one that would do the best in it, it, like with in terms of not taking a ton of heat. But even him, I don't think would. He's not a coach and things like that. Yeah, so I I would like to see them. I think Saturday night headlines could get moved up to the first intermission. I would be shocked if that's not what they do at least for this Saturday yeah. and then or you, maybe even the rest of the year you just have a panel in the second intermission but like I don't like the I guess that and they have hockey night and Punjabi stuff but you know there's great guys like there's great people doing work on the hockey night and Punjabi broadcast yeah there are almost certainly many people on that broadcast who know hockey a hell of a lot better than Don Jerry did yeah so like get someone like that or like I don't like. I don't. People were throwing around Sportsnet name or Sports uh, TSN name. Sorry, that would never come over. You know, someone like Mike Johnston, and it doesn't have to be him, but someone like him. And you know, or uh, I would rather watch him for eight minutes talk about hockey than yeah. Or um, uh, Cassie Campbell Pascal. That would be a great name. Yeah. I believe she does the Flames games, and I'm so, I apologize if I'm wrong. I believe she does the yeah, Flames games. Yeah, because remember she was yeah yes, yeah. And, but she does an amazing job in that. And, you know, someone like that, getting some diversity on the crew and just having some actual analysis of what's going on around the league would be great to see. Agreed. Because um, there was no analysis no, in Coach's Corner. No, all, it was right? the same seven cliches. Keep your stick on the ice. Defend your teammates. Don't hot dog after her. Don't admire your past. Yeah. yeah. Uh, keep your head up. And, you know, some of them were good. And not all of what Don Cherry taught growing up was good when you look back on him, but there was a lot. You know, he was one of the few guys who actually 
growing up had the defensive awareness that he would teach on Hockey Night in Canada, you know, teach you how to play two-on-ones and stuff like that. I mean, that is still effective today to what, you know, if I was teaching a peewee team, I would still say. Uh, so, but, you know, uh, there was a lot that, uh, especially in the past couple of years, that it's just outdated. It's hard to be wrong across the board. Yes. Yeah. And um, uh, we say this as two people who grew up... Uh, at least I did, idolizing Don Cherry. You know? Yeah, I used to like him. Uh, Saturday night was the time to go watch hockey. For uh, as many, uh, again, like, I feel like anyone who's not in Canada listening to this podcast be like, oh my gosh, how many times do we have to listen to this same story where it's like people grew up watching Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, and that's what their, you know, childhood was. But yeah. for so many, including ourselves, that's what it was. I, uh, on, I have two Twitter accounts. I assume basically nobody who listens to this podcast knows that. But... I had to go back, and I remember I tweeted defending him at Charter in, like, grade 10. So we were, like, 15, probably. Yeah. And I had to go back. I was like, thank God, because that's how I used to think, right, yeah. that what he said was true. And you're allowed. Like, I deleted it because that does not represent the way I think anymore or whatever. But I think it's important to keep in mind in this whole situation, that it's okay to say you used to think like that. Like, you're allowed to move on. Absolutely. And grow and, from. And that's the thing. Because you know? so many people did grow up idolizing him. If you liking him means you're automatically a bad person or whatever, then we live in a terrible country. Yes, exactly. I, I mean, there's... Uh, I just... I don't know. I, it's been... A, it'll be a week by this, this point, so, you know... But we figured it was so important that we should talk about it. Uh, I would just encourage you, if you haven't already, just go around and read different people's thoughts on it. Yeah. Read not what we're saying, but read, you know, immigrants who are writing about this and what it meant to them. Uh, you know, just, uh, I think The Athletic had a, a couple really good pieces on it. And it was from, you know, not just your typical standard white dudes. Arpen Bressu yeah. wrote one. And I assume many was, others did. So I forgive, forgive me, there was a female who wrote about it too. I can't remember. It was it. Katie Strangles. Maybe it was Katie. She does a lot of that. But uh, either way, you know, go and read about those people's experience, what they took from it, yeah. you know, and, and just how how you can learn from it. That's what's important is that we learn from it and we move on. Yeah. And we grow. Agreed. Um, I, I want to say uh, I was on Saturday night, I was one of the people who thought that Ron McLean should take a lot more heat than what he did. Uh, and he came out and I thought he had a heartfelt apology on Sunday. Uh, somebody, this isn't my opinion originally, but I do agree with it. He came out and said, I was wrong, which is something you don't see in apologies very often. No. Usually it's, I'm sorry you were offended by yeah, this. He, I was wrong. I missed this. And uh, one of the things, I, I don't know, like, I think that, you know, he was in the wrong, but I'm willing to, that's a perfectly fine apology to me. He clearly wanted to make a difference. And yeah. I think, like, I don't know Ron McLean, but anyone who tells, like, anyone who knows him will tell you he's just one of the most caring guys. You could tell that that was killing him. Everyone loves the guy. Yeah, like, um, I, yeah I don't know him personally but either, obviously. But. One of the only comments I have on that is, you know, people were like, well, how could you miss it? You were sitting there and gave him a thumbs up. And that was my original reaction, too. Me, too. What someone, you know, I we've never worked on live TV. He has microphones in his ear. There was a couple people who mentioned it is very likely that someone was talking to him while Don was going on his rant, telling him what, what they were going to do next or how to end the segment or whatever. And that's what he was listening to, not to what Don was saying exactly. I think that's what he said in his apology, too, was he didn't yeah. hear it. So, and, and that's why, and people were like, how could you not hear it? You're sitting right there. You gave him a thumbs up. But, you know, like, I don't know. To me, that is the kind of apology that I want to see. You know, Ron McLean. He clearly meant what he was saying. 
Yeah, it looked like it anyways. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I mean, if not, I mean, that's a great poker face. But <laughs> That is a hell of a poker face. Uh, you know, to me, it, it just, and everything he said, you know, it's not, I'm sorry you were offended, I'm sorry you didn't like what I said, or you didn't like what we said. It was, no, we were yeah. wrong. And admitting we were wrong is the first step, and then making a difference is the second step. So I just want to give, a, not a shout out, but like, you don't see that. It's It's kind of sad that in our time that you don't see just admitting you're wrong is something you never see, but you don't see it very often. It's kind of amazing because even if you aren't genuinely sorry, the blueprint to an apology is so simple. It really is. And it is. pretty much never actually gets done well. No. Because, um, obviously, probably because they're not actually sorry a lot of the time, but it was it was nice to see something that felt real. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have too much more to say on that. Uh, I hope that... For anyone who uh, felt hurt by Don Cherry's comments, that you know that we can build off of this because you want to see hockey is best when it's including everyone. We can't 100%. say hockey is for everyone and then have this happen. Yeah. So um, you know, there's a lot of great people out there doing work, but we need to give them more of a center stage than this. And change is happening. Oh, hundred um, percent. You know, but it takes time, and uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, but, but it, it is. Yes, yeah. um, I guess one more thing uh, we should note. Another, you know, big story. We're not going to go anywhere. This is literally two minutes. I just wanted to make a note. Austin Matthews' case got settled today. Uh, his he came out and he said, "I just want to re- reiterate again just how truly sorry I am for my actions and my behavior. I never meant to cause any distress to this woman, and I can assure you that I've learned from my mistakes and my actions." Um, you know, I think we were fairly critical of Matthews. Uh, we we did mention that he can't say much while a court case was going on. Yeah, now it's over. It is over, and again, it's one of those things where it's like, you just want to see him grow and prove it. And now I think with, you know, those words are a first step. Yeah. Uh, but they don't solve everything. Well, the problem with this is him, low, like, what you want to see from him is for him, is for him to learn. There's basically no way for us to see whether he actually no. learn or not. But so. a good way to show that you are uh, learning or trying to learn is, you know, helping out with causes in women's hockey and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, whether that's helping out, you know, against uh, things that women go through in the workplace or maybe just, you know, helping out with girls hockey, girls youth hockey and stuff like that, right? Um, you know, and it's, uh, he's free to do whatever he wants, but I think from a public standpoint, that is a good way to show that, you know, you want to make a difference. Yeah, and I would like to imagine, at least, that the yeah. best player on my favorite team does, but... You never know, yeah, but... Um, I don't know. I, we'll see, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, so thank you for sticking along with that. Uh, you know, I think those... Are, especially the first issue is very important to talk about. Especially the first one, yeah, yeah. I think anyone who listens to Chase and I know that we don't like talking about... Uh, Anything that's too political or too serious here, but there's just times when you have to, and we felt one. Of, this was one of those times. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, we do want to get into some actual hockey that has gone on. Uh, there's some big, pretty big uh, storylines going across. I'm going to start with a non-Toronto one. We do have some Toronto stuff coming up, but always uh, Sidney Crosby. This sucks. Out uh, at least a couple weeks. Uh, he was debating apparently getting a sports hernia surgery in the summer. Uh, and now is really de- he put it off, but he's debating getting it again. I haven't seen if he actually got it or not. Um, but it, regardless, he's going to be out a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. What are your thoughts on this? It sucks. I Sid's one of my favorite players. It's sad. The Penguins aren't in a great place right now to begin with. They're not in dire straits or anything, but 
they've dealt with a lot of injuries this yeah. year. But yeah, um, they really need they need Malkin to step up now. Yeah, they need because everybody always talks about how great Malkin is without Crosby, which was true, but that was true in like 2011. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if he still has that in him. Yeah, and I think it's okay to be highly skeptical that he does. Yes, uh, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I would be a little worried if I'm a lot worried if I'm a Pens fan, but 100%. Um, especially with their division. I mean, they're what fifth in the division right now, and the Capitals and Islanders are just off to heaters to start the year. Yeah, and the Canes and Flyers have been really good on a normal year. Those two teams would probably be competing for the division lead, and they're you know I don't know how many points back, but enough nine points back, nine each. points back, and they're both playing relatively well. Yeah, and the Hurricanes are actually one of the better teams in the league. And the Flyers are better than the Penguins without Crosby. So the fact that they're behind them before Sid has even gone down is not a good sign. No, not at all. Um, I, I think if if I'm Crosby, I would get the surgery now. Well, yeah, prioritize uh, your health over the yes, playoff race. And it's, and it's better to get it now, even if you're considering the playoff race, than risking it hurting later in the year, too, when you're in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you kind of have to take it now, but... Uh, Pittsburgh is going to be in tough here. They're going to need goaltending to bail them out. Um, uh, you know they they have a they have an injury list that is piled up all year uh, to man's game man games lost. Uh, yeah, and it's, they always do. Yeah, yes, and but I mean this year it feels even more, especially like key players too. Yeah, starting without Malkin and Hornquist is down was down. Latang was out for yeah. a bit. I don't know if he still is, but uh, yeah, they're going to be in very tough. That's for, yeah, Latang's not in the lineup yet right now either. Uh, so, you know, their deep pairs are Dumoulin, John Marino, Marcus Pedersen, Justin Schultz, and then Jack Johnson and Russo Ricola. Which is definitely a third pair. Or Russo Ricola, sorry. Where's Eric Branson when you need him? Yeah, true. He's just plugging along with uh, Anaheim. Yeah. Um, and then up front, you got Gensel, Malkin, Rust, uh, Galchenyuk, Bukestad, Sam Lefebvre. Lafferty? Lafferty. I have never heard of that person in my life. He's made up. Cahoon, McCann, Simone, uh, Tanev, Bluger, Reese. So, it's not great. No, it's not great at all. Um, They're going to really need a, a, you know approach from everyone to keep them afloat here. God, yeah. Uh, and, I don't know, looking at their schedule. I don't know who they have upcoming. Hold on. Bring on schedule. So, they have the Devils tonight. Then they have the Leafs tomorrow. And then they have the Islanders, Islanders, Devils, Flames, Canucks, Blue Jackets. Blues, Blues. So in their next, what, two, four, six, eight, ten games, they have the blue, the defending Stanley Cup champions twice. They have the Canucks, who have been very good. They have the Islanders, who have been on a heater lately twice. Uh, and then they have, so they have the Devils twice to balance that out. They have the Flames, who have been all right this year. So it's probably, and I guess the Leafs, that's seven good teams. We'll get in the Leafs' struggles a little <laughs> later, but... There's the Devils twice and the Blue Jackets are the only three games you can really count on for some points, in my opinion, there. Like, that's a tough schedule. Yeah, it's not. But I'm sure they'll get points out elsewhere, too. Like, I'm sure they can, you know, like, they'll go they'll go head-to-head with Toronto, no problem. But it's not a guaranteed win. No. And, no, and obviously, no, no game in the NHL is a guaranteed win. But, you know, games against, like, the Devils and stuff like that are closer to guaranteed wins than, you know, other teams. A lot closer than... Uh, or what should be a lot closer than a Leafs game, anyways. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they're they're in some trouble. I, I don't really have much more to say than that. Uh, Crosby has been 
one of the best players on earth, if not the best for the past three years still, even with McDavid. We were joking about this on the way to hockey. So you know how, like, Golden State's sucked this year? Yeah. If they, we were joking that if they miss the playoffs, they're totally picking first overall. <laughs> That's the Penguins. They miss yeah. the playoffs because Sid goes down for a week and they pick Lafreniere. Yeah. Like, uh, which would just, yeah, it would be very Penguins-like. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, huh. Okay, uh, do you have anything else to put on Pittsburgh? No. Okay, I'm going to keep dancing around this for a little bit. We're going to try to last because I feel like it'll be the big segment. I want to talk about Colorado and their goaltending situation. Okay. Name their two goaltenders right now without looking. Grubauer is not there? No. He's oh, hurt. Oh, God. Do you know who their backup was to start the year? No, I've... So Varlamov was there, but he's gone. Oh, God. No, I did not. It was Pavel Frensuz. That's a name. Um, he played a couple games for them last year, and he came up this year. Grubauer got hurt last week or two weeks ago. Francis take over, took over the net. He was okay. And then he got hurt the other night. He got knocked out cold by, I believe it was Nikolai Ehlers, who was crashing the net. 29-year-old. So, name the Francis. two goalies they have now without looking. I'm on Francis. I couldn't. I don't play enough Chell to know, like, third and fourth string players on the teams anymore. I think their starter right now is a dude who has the last name Warner. I'm not sure. Adam Werner. Hey, Bebo's there. And Antoine Bebo are their two goalies That's right now. That's a fun throwback. Um, this team is... They're in some trouble, too. And they have Landeskog and Rantanen out up front. So we talk about... So we're going to get into Toronto and their injuries, I'm sure, in a little bit. But we talk about, hey, oh, oh man, you can't judge Toronto. They haven't been healthy all year. The Avalanche haven't been healthy all year. They're second in their division. And, you know, they don't have a great division by any means, but they're still second in it. Uh... The Pens haven't ha- have had brutal injuries all year. They're still fighting in their division. A you know, very very tough division. Same points as the Leafs. Two fewer games. The Bruins have had injuries all year. Tori Krug is out right now, and they just keep chugging along at their first first in the league pace. Yeah, they're killing it. Um, the Avalanche, uh, they need some goaltending soon, or they are going to be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, Again, the one thing they have going for them is that their division isn't necessarily the toughest, but the Stars have been on a bit of a heater lately. Yeah, they've basically balanced out, right? Because they started so bad, and now they've been so good. They're probably, like, smack dab in the middle of yeah. that. Yeah, and the Predators have really been struggling in that division, too. Weren't they the top of that division after, like, ten games? Yeah, they uh, they have, I don't know what they're, they've lost three in a row, and... They're only five, oh, okay, three-game losing streak, I guess, but, like, five, three, and two in their last ten doesn't look that catastrophic bad. No, um, so that is, that's insane as well. Uh, but credit to the Avalanche for just kind of, so here's their injury report right now. Mika Ranton and Gabriel Landeskog, Philip Grubauer, Nikita Zadorov, Colin Wilson, um, and Francois isn't on the injured reserve, but he is out right now. Jeez. That is like, what I'd say, three of your most important four players, five players maybe? Yeah. Your goalie is the most important with, and then McKinnon, and then I go Landeskog and Ranton in, in yep. whatever order. That sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Uh, so, you know, they're going to have to rely on guys up front. It's good that they got the depth because they're going to have to rely on guys like Nazem Kadri, Jonas Donskoy, uh, Andre Burakovsky to try and help them through this time. And they have been. Yeah, they picked a good summer to ball out for depth. Yep. Um, and that's why, you know, smart teams foresee, you know, injury problems. They, that team was healthy last year. Not completely. No team is completely healthy, but generally speaking, close that to top line didn't miss too many games, and that's what really propelled them to the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, good on their 
um, their management team to go see, okay, we might not be as healthy this year. We should go get some depth scoring to improve the team. And just in case, you know? So uh, all credit to them for that. And thank God they did, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Oilers' power play absolutely lit up Adam Warner yesterday. <laughs> I think they went 4-4 four for four to start the game, and it was a 6-2 game after two, and that's what it ended up as. Connor McDavid is so good that when I saw his, he set a career high in points last night for his six-point game, I was surprised that was it. It was only that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't I was, I don't know, I, there's a couple people who tried a way too hot of takes saying Dreisaitl's better than McDavid in the one group chat I'm in. Yeah, I saw that a couple times around Twitter. Just go look at anything McDavid does. Like, I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have a hard time. I think McDavid definitely needs to improve his defense. He is still very poor on that, but he is so, 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 so good offensively. Yeah, so, like, I'm working on a model right now. I have him as the worst defensive impact in the league last year, but his just even strength offense is almost worth more than, like, any other's skater's whole value. Yeah. Like, he's just so far and above everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Um, offense, anyways. But, yeah. So, the Avalanche, so it's on Nathan McKinnon. Uh, it's It's... Good task for Nathan McKinnon here, in my opinion. You know, people I've heard uh, take uh, more than once, you know, McKinnon could be considered up there with, you know, two and three. He wants to prove he's better than McDavid or as good as McDavid, and that's a wild take to me. But He's not even as good as Mark Stone. No. But <laughs> now, now it's time to prove that you can hold your own line for True. an extended period of time. That's how you start getting that, uh, you know, the hype behind you. So uh, it'll be a, good, a nice test to see, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to touch on the abs there. Um we're kind of, I don't know, we're not running through things quickly here, but TJ Brody, pretty scary uh, thing in Calgary. Uh, he collapsed on the ice yesterday at practice. From all accounts, he is okay. He's been released from the hospital, uh, but there's no return on when, or there's no date on when he's going to return yet, and you don't want to rush anything like that either. No, definitely not. Um, I guess my question to you is, are, in the, are the Flames in a spot to be okay with this? Uh, you know, what What does their team look like going forward? You would hope they're still... Like, Brody's a good hockey player, but he shouldn't be, like, a he-goes-down-your-team's-screwed kind of hockey player. Yeah. Like, I'd be really surprised if this... I'd be very disappointed in the Flames because I think they're a good team if this sinks them. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's hard to sink them past fourth in their division already. Sure. That's a pretty low standard, I would assume. I guess at this point it would be this prevents them from going up. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, uh, they should be better than the Coyotes without TJ Brody. Yeah, I would assume so. I don't see why they wouldn't be. Coyotes are in second, which is good for them. Uh, this is a fun year so far. That's a very strange year. They should also be better than the Oilers without... Yeah, and the Oilers are just, man, their goaltending has been pretty solid this year, and McDavid and Dreisaitl. And James Neal, I guess. And James Neal. The Oilers' big three. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Oh, other thing I wanted to touch on real quick. We're just kind of going rapid fire through this stuff here. Um, Since last podcast, the San Jose Sharks have won five in a row. Jeez, five-game winning streak. Yeah, so maybe they're not horrible after all. Yeah, they probably were <laughs> never as uh, bad as people started. to Like, they did look cooked. They always had so much talent that it's like it was so hard to, you know, count them out. But I always wanted to just because I have the, like, Ottawa has their pick. But Yeah, that's uh, fair. They're up to 12th in Corsi 4 percentage this year. And they are... Uh, it's 26th still in expected goals. Uh, in the Leafs. Yeah. Um, we'll get, yeah. We're going to get in that a second. Don't you worry. And also, it's like a pretty good exercise in, like, now that they've won five straight in, like, belief updating. Like, we thought they were going to be 
pretty good coming into the year. They came out and sucked. But, like, if you were that high on them going into the year, chances are they weren't actually going to be that bad. No, not at all. And, and, I mean, they're still, I'd say, where they are still after 20 games is very disappointing, even with this uh, winning streak. Yeah, they're under less than an 82-point pace. Yeah, so that is definitely disappointing. With, with a five-game winning streak, that's kind of nuts. Oh, they, they start off just horribly. Um, yeah. But, you know, they are going to try and keep it rolling, I guess. Uh, and I still think it's fair to say they're probably worse than most people expected, but... Yeah, but they're probably they're nowhere near, I don't think, as bad as what they showed at the beginning of this year. Yeah, opinion. I agree. I, I have, mean, unless age really hit them, which is possible, but... Yeah, crazier things have happened, but they still have good players. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, one last thing before we get into our big topic. I want to talk about Taylor Hall. Yep. It looks, by all accounts, that New Jersey, he's not going to resign with New Jersey. Um, so you trade him. A hundred, if he's not going to resign with yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you trade him. Um, where do you think you could see him going? And also, what do you think the package for Taylor Hall is? See, it's got to be more or less the stone package, right? Yeah, I would... If the Devils, I don't know how many teams are willing to trade a prospect of Eric Brandstrom's quality right now. So I would bet you it's a a first round pick instead of a second, and then a lower quality prospect yeah. rather than exactly like the Stone deal. Especially because it doesn't sound like so. CJ Chris Johnson went on Sportsnet Radio and pretty much said it sounds like he's going to be traded and then sign with a different team in the off season. So, so it's not like the big part with the Stone deal, and this is why. I still think that Ottawa, you know, I could have lived with, for a rental for Stone, you know, you weren't winning it at all, but no. a rental for Stone, a second, and a good prospect such as Brandstrom, but they got eight and a half years of Stone. You should have gotten something else for that as well. Um, yeah, you, they traded him as if, and, and it was Yeah, and it, was, it wasn't like, oh, we traded him and then he signed three months later or whatever. It was the second he got traded, it was his extension. They yeah. worked it out with him. Well, wasn't that part of the reason it was part of the a deal. different deal fell through for him? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I it was part of the deal that Vegas was actually going to step in and take him is because they had they wanted to work on an extension. So which is fair. Yes. Um, my, I'm trying to. I don't know which team would look at him. The problem is like a team like Boston who has like assets in terms of like draft capital and stuff and like Patrice Bergeron's 34. They might be wanting to take a swing here, but they don't really have the space to. Like, I, I think to you could always make right. the space work. Like you could get, uh, you could always. I don't know. I think yeah. to me the salary cap is a bit of a not a hoax, but like, and uh, GMs get way too way too much off the hook for not being able to work around the salary cap. Yeah, but it still is a reason why the GMs might not do it. Because right? what, Hall has... Six what, million. Six million, so if you get New Jersey to retain half, you just need to move three million out, and it'll be less money than that come the trade deadline because contracts, you know, are worth less at that time. It's hardly anything by the deadline. Yeah, so if you just move a contract of some kind back to them, you've pretty much solved your problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know who that is, but... Their prospect pool is not very deep. No, it would have to be, say, a, a first... Maybe like, I don't, it'd have to be a new prospect that they drafted. I'm assuming, or like a roster player, maybe. Yeah, ideally they're not trading from the roster though. No, but like I could see them, you know, like giving. I don't. The problem is I don't know their roster, but but like 
say, like Trent Frederick or someone like that, if he was like projected to be an okay player, but you know he might not be making your playoff roster this year. Seneshin might be yeah, a guy like some, that. Someone like that. Former first round pick, I believe. So yeah. Maybe they see upside there or something. I could see something along those lines. But they're one of the teams that's good enough without him, but like also could Bergeron, Krejci. Hall. Pasternak. Pasternak. Uh, Marshawn. And throw your extra name in the brusque or, yeah yeah they exactly. have a very good top nine if uh, like a very 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 good they could win the president's trophy without him yes this year. um yeah to me Boston just doesn't seem like a team that's gonna spend they did two years ago I guess but what was the last last year they go in and got like Marcus Johansson they got a couple more depth was, guys for was like the Rick Nash Rick Nash was two was years wild. ago yeah um and that backfired to them on them. hundred percent. I, I just I don't. And obviously, I think it's quite clear that Taylor Hall is a much better player than Rick Nash was at that point in his career. But I don't know. Like I used. Maybe maybe it was almost three years ago now that, that Nash. I don't know. It might be three. Whatever. The point is, I, maybe they do. Maybe they absolutely do. But they don't. I don't know. They don't feel like a team that is. Uh, necessarily going to be a massive spender with the roster they have. I would be somewhat surprised if it's them, but in just terms of fit, I think that would be a really good destination. I could see them loading up on depth again this offseason, or this deadline, kind of like what they did last year with Marcus Johan. I could see them, obviously I think the market might price them out of this because I just said they're not going to spend a first on Hall, but if the market for Peugeot cools down a little bit, getting someone like Peugeot to go play third or fourth line for them. So, yeah, you know, moves be... like that, right? I could see the Flames. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the Flames get in a better spot. Golden Knights, if they want to go big game hunting again. Uh, Predators, maybe? Yeah. What about, like... See, the problem... Again, the problem is they wouldn't have space for an extension either. But, like, if they had an extension, I could see, like, a first and, like, Tolvedon? Maybe? Yeah, it's amazing how quickly his star kind of fell. Yeah, I mean, again, I feel like he was one of the guys who got really overrated because he had a really hot D-plus one year and then got really... And then had a cold next year, and he's probably a little in between... Like, I feel like he's still probably a skilled NHL player at some point, but yeah, his stock has definitely dropped. Yeah, given how good he was in his draft plus one, it would be somewhat surprising if he's not an NHL player outright, but... Yeah, but like like something like that, maybe? Yeah, I could see that. Carolina would be a fun team to see him go to. Yeah, true. Um, they got two first-round picks. And they have a lot of defensemen that they could try and move back as well. Yeah. Um, hmm, who else? There aren't that many teams that he would make sense to. Maybe, like, Washington? Problem. The problem is, like, Washington... I know Washington needs to restock their cupboards a little <laughs> bit, too, but, like, this is... You know, Backstrom and Holtby are both up this year, and Ovi's up next year. Yeah, Washington so, would be a fun one. So, like... Like, I don't know. We'd have to get a Washington listener to tell us what... It is. Like, I, I just... I, I, obviously, it's too early to figure out what the package around him would look like. I'm just trying to think of teams that I could see to, like... You know, that makes sense, where it's, like... They're kind of nearing the end of their not not even nearing the end of their cup window, but like they have a good a good enough chance to make a run for it, and they have a reason to go and add him. Yeah, like there's only the unfortunate thing with New Jersey is there's only so many teams that are in a position that they should be taking shots like Taylor Hall. Yes, at the deadline. You know, it's like the Sams they have last year, but they don't have their this year's first. And you know, after the scare they got at the beginning of the year, they're not trading away next year's first. Yeah, and they might not even be good enough to. Exactly. Even buyers. if they went on a massive run to get back into the playoff hunt, like they might not even want to be buyers. Um, Philly? Philly would be interesting. I, yeah, I guess 
It, it'll depend. I don't obviously. think they'll be good enough. No, it'll depend where everyone's sitting as the playoffs. Maybe the Islanders. I, I guess we're overlooking them. True. If they have, if they keep it up, uh, they do have picks. And I, I th- Lou was on Panarin this off season. Uh, I think he was on Panarin at the deadline too last year. He was on Duchesne at the deadline, I believe, last year as well. You could finally see a Hosang trade, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, a first Hosang and. Or, like, first and Del Cole or something like that, if New Jersey would rather that or something like that. Yeah, it could be. Like, um, the thing that I always fail to consider is, like, most teams... Like, the way I always think about it is only, like, a handful of teams should be swinging for the fences like this. But essentially, Columbus bought Panarin at the deadline last year kind of thing by losing the opportunity cost of trading them. Well, they didn't, it's the, not even that they bought Panarin, it's that they doubled down on that and bought Duchesne to single uh, anyone they could get their hands yeah, on, right? Yeah, but that's what I'm... Like, in my head, teams that are, like, seventh place don't buy, but they obviously do, yeah. so it's kind of hard to... I would say that in terms of fit, there is probably, like... As of right now, maybe eight or nine teams I could see. Montreal is another one if they're in a playoff spot come the deadline. But it's pretty... The, the Canadians are probably a better team than most people think, but it's pretty easy to imagine how the Bruins, Leafs, and Lightning are 1, 2, and 3 in that division in Montreal saying... Yeah, with Florida why? right there, too, if they get a save. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's what I mean. Like, I would never consider a team like Montreal, but it's also probably way more possible than it is in my head. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I just want to point it out. I think it is will die. I'm putting the the odds of Hall getting traded at like ninety five percent. It sounds like, he's... like it sounds almost like a guarantee at this point. And he hasn't played that good this year. No, he hasn't been awesome. Um, he hasn't been Taylor Hall. No, uh, so it'll be interesting to see, and it'll be interesting to see who throws money at him this off season. Uh, PK Subban, I think, has had a bit of a bounce back, I believe, but that I, was yeah. That's what every nerd on earth was. Yeah. Um, it was gonna happen it'll be interesting year. to see what they do with him if they keep because this team's gonna have to continue a rebuild unfortunately they could be in a sweet position to rebuild though yeah I mean they don't need to rebuild for many years like they have guys to work around even without Hall they would just need to get the pieces in place to go behind Hishe and Hughes yeah and a de- a big like a young stud defenseman would be huge for this team yeah 100 percent you know and maybe you try and find someone like that like a branch them in a hall deal. Um, yeah, that would be a nice. Time. You know, as a, a way to you know try and supplement that, but you know, and and then a few wingers I think as well could be useful yeah. to this team. But that'll be the like they're lucky because they don't have to rely on winning the lottery to find players that you think are going to be your top one and two centers. Going yes, forward. they have that they already. Have them, and they have, you know, Blackwood might not be this elite stud goaltender, but they have a guy who they feel is going to be an NHL starter for. a few years which is a nice help as well yeah they have a guy who shows signed at 22 so which I, is something most teams don't have. i'd say arguably you found like you know the hardest two pieces it is to find so far so yep they're in a pretty good spot going forward 100 and they could knock a haul trade out of the park mm-hmm. to re- the, the, the one problem i said this year is that they did trade their second and third away to try and get you know guys like suban which is a little scary because that'll probably end up being like a 36th overall pick or whatever, but uh, trying to recoup some of those assets within a Hall trade uh, will be interesting to see. I would be surprised if they don't end up with more back in return for Wayne Simmons and P.K. Subban than what they gave up for P.K. Subban, yeah. so it'll probably be all right. 
You mean for Taylor Hall? No, that's oh, you aside think they're gonna... from the Hall return. If they oh, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, to yeah, trade no. Subban. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many people there would be out there for Subban. I think they'd have to retain for sure. Yeah, which would be fine. Yeah, but like, because you saw like the reason that Nashville, the reason they gave so little up for him to Nash to, to Nashville is because they took his entire salary. That's how yeah. down his value was. Yeah, but they have the space. And not a huge need for like they could retain on Subban. Yeah, crush a return there. Well, the time his contract is up, that like when his contract ends is when the uh, Hughes contract will be up, and that'll be the big one. And they re- they have Hichier locked down on an awesome deal. So exactly, yeah, um, they'll be definitely be a player. Them and the Los Angeles Kings, lots of trade rumors coming out of there. Uh, Are they scratching to Foley? Yeah, they healthy scratched him once or twice. That Kovalchuk sounds <laughs> like he's done. He's done. So they're trying to work. So the problem with Kovalchuk is they can't buy him out. They can't send him to the waivers because they can't send him on waivers because he's got no move. And if they do buy him out in the summer, they they eat his entire cap because it's a 35-plus contract. So they just have to eat it, more or less. So they're trying to find a trade for him, but the problem is, who's going to trade for this guy? He hasn't been good. Well, that's the thing. A trade and a fresh start is probably the best-case scenario for him, but why on earth would you want him in that contract? Like, I don't even want him at 50% retained. No, right like, 3.175 isn't worth it for what he's giving right now. No. And for another year yet, too. It's not even like it's a rent. Like, again, like let's say Boston, Boston was a team that was in on him. If he had one year left, Boston goes, okay, retain half, we'll give you, like, a fifth for him or something like that. Maybe No harm, no foul, right? But... Like, this is hard. Like, you have another year of that yet. Yeah, and that's... Could be... Yeah, it's a very costly year, potentially. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. This team is... We did... When we did the worst teams to take over, this was one of the teams that were up there. And we said... My thing was that... The reason I didn't have them up so high is because I thought you could move one of Kopitar or Doughty. Those are the only two people apparently off limits. Really? What kind Like... Actually, I, get, I shouldn't be surprised. No, I get they're the face of your franchise, but come on. When is an NHL team going to realize that maybe when you're trying to retool, the guys you should be moving are the ones that are 29 and 32 that still have name value and are on massive contracts? Yeah, I don't know. One day. But, I don't know. Like, Brown, they still... For, no one's taking the Brown contract. No, not definitely. They're going to have a hard time moving Kovalchuk. I will say just eating the Brown contract isn't... Like, Brown isn't that bad. No, but like fine. when you have a like when you have because the problem is this team is trying to get younger, but they also don't have like like that much cap space. No, as much don't. as you should want, anyways. Considering they have a bunch of like their RFAs aren't going to cost much this summer because they don't have anyone good on their team. Yeah, but the thing is, it's just like they don't really have space to go and make like like a move like Carolina did, where they ate Marlowe's contract to get a first. They don't exactly have the space to be doing or that right now. they're taking on Bickle to get, like, 22-year-old terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Like Which is, like, that's why it's, like, you know, obviously you're not giving assets up to get rid of Brown, but, like, ideally you should want to move him. Yeah. And, I, like, maybe you... But he's 35, so, like, I just... I don't know. He's older than I Yeah, I feel hard. Like, you know, retaining is the way that you probably have to move a couple of these. Same with Jeff Carter, like... I don't think anyone's biting on Jeff Carter anymore. No, I wouldn't. Toffoli will get you a return at the deadline. I think Clifford will get you a little bit as well. Like I think he's got some value out there for grit or whatever you want. Toffoli seems like the uh, kind of deal that a team gives up their like third round pick for him at the deadline, and all the nerds on that I love lot. it. No, they hate him. Oh, Toffoli or Marti- or Clifford? Or I meant Clifford, okay. I was sorry. gonna say yeah. I was like, what do you mean a third for Toffoli? I would think no. I would steal for any team doing that. I would think Toffoli should actually get. 
a decent return. Yeah, I'd say maybe like a second to another depth pick. Yeah. A first if the market's that desperate, but with Taylor Hall out there, maybe not. Or maybe, you know, if someone misses on Taylor Hall and if we have assets to spend. Yeah, well, Toffoli's actually, like, he seems to be a guy that nobody, no school of thinking considers Tyler Toffoli bad. No, no. So there should be a decent market. Uh, It sounds like they're shopping Alex Martinez on the back end. Uh, He's not very good, but... He was, so maybe they can bank in on that. Yeah, but. cup experience or whatever. He's got two years, a year left as well, though. Ben Hutton maybe could move or something. Probably not. But, like, there's just not. Jack Campbell, maybe, if a smart team. The Leafs is, I, I get they probably don't have the cap space to do it, but Jack Campbell would be a real interesting option for the Leafs. Yeah, it'd be. 1.65, he's, like, actually, hashtag actually good. The problem is I'm assuming Campbell's going to want more of a starter's role, and that's probably what he'll get in L.A. as Quick gets older, but... Like he is actually good, yeah. Uh, for good. relatively speaking, anyways. For six hundred and seventy-five grand, he has better priors in the NHL than most goalies making six hundred and seventy-five yeah. grand. And then yeah, he signed for two more years at one point six, but so that'd be the problem for the Leafs, I, yes. I assume. But um, yeah, I don't think this team. We're gonna have to eat some uh, eat some bad contracts for a couple of years, but uh, it'll be. I just I don't. I I shouldn't be surprised, but I always am when I hear that. Bad team who has a bunch of old bad contracts makes the only people untouchable the worst contracts of the bunch. And, like, I love Kopitar. And Doughty was a very, very good player. But at some point, it's like, okay, you're probably better off to try and get value for this and get out from underneath and use that $10 million for better use. Their long-term outlook looks so good if they just get, like... Because Doughty, I would think, is still loved enough around the oh, league yeah, you could get absolutely. like a real return for them. Their long-term outlook looks so much better with that $11 million off the books. People are still, like... People are down on Doughty, but down for them so far is still like, oh, he's a number one defenseman. He's just closer to like thirtieth. Where in reality, I don't, like, I don't think he's not a number one defenseman. He's getting his teeth kicked in on a top pair right now. Yeah, like he's all. And I get, I get, he doesn't have much help on that team either. But like, like he's not. He's just very, very clearly not the you know Norris kind of guy that he used yeah. to be. So, um, all right, should we get into the big topic real quick here? Might uh, as well. Talk about for ten more minutes or so. Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so Kerfoot is injured. That's the smaller one of the two that uh, we're going to talk about today. Uh, so we were talking about injuries earlier. They're another team that has dealt with injuries all year, fairly, but um, it's affected them a lot more than other teams, I want to say. Uh, yeah, they've and it, performed. The thing with them is, they guess they've had a lot of injuries, but none of them have been at like the same time. Like Yeah, it's been kind of weird. Tavares got hurt as Dermot was coming back, and then Hyman was, you know, thought we, we thought we were going to get Hyman back. Or you guys, uh, they, they were going to. And then Hyman and Tavares came back, and Marner got hurt right away. And now, you know, Marner and Kerfoot are out. But, like, it's not like Colorado where it's, like, four of your best six players or whatever have been out at the same time. It's like... It's just that you, you haven't been able to see the full roster. You've, yeah, you've had, like, four or five guys that are valuable to the roster out among the year, but it's just been spread out. And so the team has been playing bad. They've, yeah. they've taken quali- quantity over quality... They brought in Dave Haxtall, and they took that Philadelphia Flyer system to art, apparently. The power play last year, which struggled, but was actually good at creating chances, just not finished. It actually struggle. Its it, goal is four per hour is like 10th in the NHL. It was just the it percentage had a bad series. Yeah. And the, the percentage wasn't great overall for the whole year, so people looked at that raw and went, oh man, this is bad. This year it's been actually bad. Or at hashtag actually yeah. not as good as it should be. Oh, it's... Compared to last year, it's been, like, atrocious. Yes. Um, so, we're back to the point where uh, we're talking about Babcock again. 
I've defended Babcock more than once on this podcast. I think so, uh, we both have. Yes, yeah. uh, I defended him three weeks ago about the backup goal, goalie stuff and whatever. I think that the the ripping on Babcock has been unfair this year, to a general point, anyways. Anytime anything goes wrong, it's Babcock's fault on Twitter, which yeah, is clearly um, not, but. You know, I, I think that there are things that he has tried to change. You know, he's been changing the lines um, and leaving it for more than a game instead of just ripping off, you know, right away. That being said, I think when a team is uh, 25th or whatever they are in expected goals right now, that should fall on the coach with all the talent that they have. Yeah, it's a issue. Um, it's a very big issue how they're playing at 5-on-5. Five five. And I, I think... so. I have a bunch of thoughts. So, like, it falls on the coach, in my opinion, that because the reason that they're they're expected goal, it's because he wants these guys to buy in defensively. And I can sort of get behind that, but it's clearly not the way this team should be playing. They're, like, it's an <laughs> offensive team, and he's trying to get them to buy in defensively, and it's killing them. They're never going to be a defensive No, sure and not. some of that is also on the players, because the players should want to try and buy in defensively, because... You know, like, I think that if you go all offense in the playoffs, I, we haven't seen it, so, like, I'm not, like, I think it could work, but we also haven't seen it, so I'm hesitant to say that it for sure will work. You know what I mean? I feel pretty confident that if you're better at scoring more goals than you allow, yeah. it doesn't really matter how you do but, it. But, like, when things tighten up and you can get away with more stuff, like, penalty-wise, it's going to be harder to score more goals. Yeah. And so that's where I kind of think it's, like, when it comes to the playoffs, it's like the the problem isn't that you know teams suddenly just get better in their own end. It's that murder becomes legal, and it's like the teams that rely on high offense skill and also a high offense power play, which obviously the power play doesn't get this year. But no. you know teams that do that get hurt because murder becomes legal, and you can just maul guys in your own defensive end without taking a penalty, right? Yeah. So I think that's kind of where the thing is, where it's like, well, like like I don't know, I don't need the Leafs to become these shot blocking machines, but like when you watch when you watch them in their own end, it's clear that just no one cares. Like it looks pretty sketchy. It's they're not good in their own end. Like or you know that's what it looks like, anyways. The most irritating, like I don't think there's a coach out there that you're gonna bring into Toronto and you're gonna watch and be like, wow, these guys are defensive juggernauts. No, but their offense hasn't been good this year. No, because he's trying to get them. Because he's trying to. So like I don't know. I, I'm so torn on. Just let these guys fly offensively. I think that's what you should do because you I think know, it's what you have at the end do. of the day, it's on the players for not wanting to play more defensively. The coach can tell them as much as he wants. Hey, you guys have to be responsible in the defense first, offense second, or whatever. If the players don't want to do that, which half the time it just doesn't look like they want to do that, it's not you can't do anything. It doesn't, and also, like, I don't think, like. I don't. I don't. Not in their heads. I don't know if they actually don't want to play defense or not. They probably don't, because who actually likes playing defense? But I, they're not equipped to do it that well. I, like this roster is not equipped to be good defensively like, I don't at need, all, right? No, but like, I don't need them to be Patrice Bergeron. But like, like so many of their forwards are just atrocious defensively. Like the like you don't need to be like Selkie level nominees, yeah. but you should be better than oh my god, what are you doing on the ice right now? Yeah, like looking at the roster, you can be like really confident Zach Hyman is good defensively. Yeah, and like John Tavares is pretty good. Yeah, like if right? Tavares like, is taking a face off with a minute yeah. left, you're not sweating. But like whatever, but. Matthews isn't very good in his own end. 
No. Nylander, I love Nylander, but he is not good in his own end. They're good at the Sedin's like, style of defense. Yeah, where it's like you hold the ball, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. And that's but, all you need them to be good But, at, when, right? again, when it comes to playoff time, I don't buy into this whole, oh, you need to be tougher and harder to play playoff hockey, but you do need to have some defensive structure or be okay in your defensive end because you will get burnt. It's as simple, because like, murder's legal. So, like, when you can't rely on just your pure skill because your skill is being weighed down by a guy just tackling you to the ground or something like that, you need to be able to do that back. And I don't think that means being tougher. Like, I don't need to see them finish every check they have, but it's just, like, being more aware. Like, I don't know, the perfect one example to me was um, the goal against, I believe it was Philly, where Nylander let the guy walk in, and then four other guys made a mistake, too. That wasn't on Nylander. Nylander took the most crap, and he did. It was all. As it was, he will. Yes, it was, and it was a big part of me. Like Nylander should have been better on that. But generally speaking, there was about four guys on the ice who made a mistake there because Nylander let him go, saying, "Oh, it's a two on three right now." He makes a three on three, and neither defenseman took anyone on the ice. But it's just like that kind of thing to me, where it's just like. Everyone on the ice is just so poor defensively. Like, Muzzin is good defensively. Oh, yeah. I was only saying the forwards but behind him. Muzzin's Barry good. is bad defensively. Right. Riley is bad defensively. CC is bad defensively. Dermot's all right. Dermot's okay, but he doesn't get the chance to play defensively. Yeah, he's not playing high leverage. But, like, so it's just like, I don't know. Like, I guess the question is, does it come down to roster uh, construction? Does it come down to coaching? Or does it come down to the players? And I would say maybe it's a mix of all three. Yeah, that's the pro thing, right? Like, twi- like, I can imagine scenarios where they fire Mike Babcock and things look better. But there are also scenarios I can imagine where, like, a lot better, too. They fire Babcock and things don't magically all of a sudden become amazing because it's probably not just on him. Yes. If Sheldon Keefe takes over and he lets this team run wild, I think they'd snap a, a, a bunch of wins together. That being said, once they get to the playoffs, I, like maybe if you don't have to play Boston, you make it out of the first round. I do think Boston's a pretty bad match, and Toronto's taken it to them both years. So. They all, yeah, they also lost. Like everyone knew last year was a coin flip. It's yes. not like they yeah, can't no. beat Boston. And the the first year was even though it went to seven, the first year was a little more spread out. But I mean, if Kadri doesn't get suspended, who knows what happens? But either way, my point is, it's just more like I don't like. So we when they brought in um, Tyson Barry. Yeah, our take on it was you know the analytics side of you know it was yeah, Barry's pretty overrated because he generated a lot on the power play and just big offensive minutes. That being said, I think we like at least I was on the side where I could see why Barry fit Toronto's system. Yeah, it was easy enough to construct that mental argument. The problem is they're not playing that system, so now Barry has become absolutely useless. Yeah, and you're not playing on power play one, which like whatever. I think. That argument is like Don't sure. Play if, him on power play if you want to let Riley play, that's fine. I also think that when you have a power play that's legitimately struggling, switching a guy out for a couple games probably doesn't hurt. Okay, yeah, like playing Barry on power play one wouldn't be catastrophic. But also, if your argument is that Morgan Riley has earned power play one, yeah, like, I'm but fine the problem with is. That, right? Babcock also hasn't let him do much in the offensive zone because Riley's taking the offensive zone minutes, generally speaking. Which, again, isn't it's fine, necessarily but, a bad thing. But, like, right? the thing is, you saw that roster contract coming in. If you're not going to use it to your... Like, if you're try, trusting on Barry to play defensively, you're not using him properly. Yeah, Barry playing defense is not how you maximize Tyson Barry. No, so it's like... And so it's like we... I think the take coming in was more just like... Uh, 
you know, this could be a workout well for Toronto if they use him to his strength, and they're just not doing that. And I think that's kind of on a coach, coach's problem, but it's also on the GM and coach to be on the same page. Yeah, right? And, and, like, I think it's more on the coach. Like, the coach needs to listen to what the GM's doing, but, like, the GM should, you know, by this point, I think it should be pretty obvious that Mike Babcock isn't going to use what Kyle Dubas gives him to the prop, to the right usage. So you, like, when you're making a, a move like Tyson Berry for Nazem Kadri, you should be 100% sure that Mike Babcock is going to use Tyson Berry in the correct way. Now, to be fair in that trade, the best player in that trade this year has been Kerfoot. Yeah. So even if Barry isn't used properly, that trade could still be a success, which is something I've not seen brought up very often. But, but like, like he's also hurt now too, so it's that kind of dis- d- diminishes it for now, right? But you couldn't do it. Like, no, you can't but like, do that, right? Yeah, but like I'm saying is like the the big part of that trade was Tyson Barry for Nazem Kadri. Yeah, like, but I don't think we were looking at that trade right. Eh, we I, probably um, the, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. The guy who was coming over for four years should have probably been valued more highly than the guy coming But he was also coming over for four years valued as like a third-line center that they could have and then move if they need him to in two years from now. Yeah. So, like, I don't, like, I thought, I'm, to me it's still, it was they sacrificed Kadri for Kerfoot as, you know, Kerfoot is still very good, but, you know, obviously his outlook wasn't as great as Kadri for four years. But you tried to make up for that by getting a prime window for your cup run right now with Tyson with Barry this year. Yeah. That, that's what my take on it was anyways. But from that take, that makes Barry the sweetener on top, right? I, mm, like, no, I would say Kerfoot is more the sweetener in terms of like just recouping assets for the next four years, if that makes sense. Because the move was for this year. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, like you don't move Kadri to get worse for the next three years or whatever. But you move Kadri to get Barry so you can... Put yourself, quote unquote, over the top this year. this year. But then Kerfoot is in there so that when Barry walks this offseason, you don't go, oh shoot, we just lost Nazem Kadri for three years for a year of Tyson Barry, where who knows what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, that's but my take on it. Those, like, it was always true that Kerfoot was going to provide more, like, war or whatever than sure. Barry was right? sure. by, like, a pretty. By an even wider margin than it looked like at the time of the trade now, right? Theoretically, yeah. Because the... Well, but, I mean, even at the time of the trade, it, it's not like Kerfoot was signed. They signed him a couple of weeks after because they went, okay, we like what we have here, and then we'll try and keep you. It but, was an RFA, though. But, like, he's going to sign. Yeah, but I don't think anyone knew for four years. Like, if he's asking for a little more money than that, you go, okay, we can't sign him for four years, right? Uh, so I it might have just been the price tag where Dubas goes, okay, yeah, like... You know what? I like this deal for Toronto. Let's let's lock him in long term because we can move him if we need to. I would like to imagine Dubas kind of knew the price range before he got him. Yeah, like relatively speaking, <laughs> yeah. yes. But like I don't I don't know. I wouldn't like if a guy comes to a new team and who knows if Kerfoot even wanted to be traded. You know, like yeah, he was true. playing second line in Colorado. If he gets traded to a new team where he's now definitely definitely the third line center, you know, maybe he doesn't like that as much. So he goes, okay, I want a little more money from you guys than I would from. Say Colorado. Yeah, that could but, be. I don't know. My, my whole thing on it is just that, like, the trade was for Tyson Barry, but the trade-off was that you, you... But Kerfoot was in there to, you know, not make it look horrible in two years' time when uh, you look back and you go, oh, wow, why did Toronto give up a really good cost-controlled asset for one year of a guy? Like, that that's my take on it anyways, right? You get okay. a guy you get a guy to replace Kadri, but he's not... You know, all in the numbers suggest he wasn't quite as good. Actually... His, like, pl- like, I don't. Know. They were no, more come on. similar. Like, they were more similar than people probably would have given him credit to. That's what come I on. mean. Yeah. But like, Kadri was still, you know, that 
not one C. You know, the the fringe guy, whereas Kerfoot was more closer to like a two C, but fringe three C in my opinion. He's a good defensive specialist, which is again something that this team could use. Yeah, he had but, good defensive numbers and a good shot. Yeah, which is so promising enough. Um, like I, I get, like again, I understand why Toronto made the trade. Yeah. I just, I think you're. You know, the GM needs to make sure that his coach is on the same page with him when he's going to make a move like that, that he's going to use the big offensive piece that he got back in the deal as a big offensive piece. Which he, would... You would hope that's something you could just take for granted. But yes, but I think not. I think it's time and time again Babcock has shown you can't. So, But he uses Riley offensively, right? Yeah, because he kind of has to. Well, you would think you would kind of have to use Tyson Berry offensively. Well, like, I think Babcock's right? thing is, like, he probably would have rathered a defensive-minded guy instead of Tyson Berry. So now he's like, okay, I'm just going to turn Tyson Berry into a defensive-minded guy. He also complained about Muzzin. Yeah, that exactly. Was exactly. So, like, like so. I don't know. And I'm, I'm assuming it's probably not all up to Dubas. I'm, like, I know they said that Dubas has authority to fire whoever he wants, but, like... It, does it not come out that he was not allowed to fire Babcock in the I, summer? I don't know. There was a bunch of reports that came out. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Shanahan stepped in or, you know, MLSC stepped in. Because, like, yes, MLSC is the richest, you know, one of the richest sports owners out there. But, like... That's a lot It is still a lot of money to be eating on a Mike Babcock bio. Because he's got, what, four, three or four years left? At... Is it nineteen twenty right now? Yeah. So, before the season, he would have had, like... $25 million yeah. left on the contract. That is still a lot of money to just hand out to, to, yeah. for a guy to not work with you. Yeah, no corporation lets you light $25 million on fire and doesn't think about it. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. My thing is just... The, like, you need to let these guys run offensively, I guess, but the players need to buy in a little more on their own end. And I, like to me, buy in doesn't mean, like, finish your checks. It just means, so, on the, let's use the Nylander play as a perfect example. Nylander doesn't need to finish his check there, but instead of poking with his stick and letting the guy walk around him, try and pinch him off to the boards, make him make a play with the puck. Yeah, there are Let's say he doesn't do that, that for some reason. One of the defensemen then need to just step up and try and force him, while the other defensemen, the centermen, look around and go, okay, who's our guy out front of the net? But instead you had one guy who let him walk through, three guys who puck watch, and then you had a guy out wide open in front of the net. Yeah. Like, that's where, like... I don't think, like, I'm not a coach by any means, but, like, I don't think a coach needs to be saying that. You know what I mean? Oh, you don't need to be super intelligent when it comes to hockey to watch the Leafs play defense, and sometimes it gives you a headache, right? <laughs> Exactly. Like, so it's like, and it's like, I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I feel like more buy-in from the players in terms of just being smart defensively. And that takes time as well, but, like, there's just sometimes where it's like, what is this team doing in their own end? Like, they're just... They lose their guys, all five of them puck watch. It's like, okay, just take a second, step back. Instead of when you see a guy or two teammates are looking for the puck, go, who can I take right now? Like, I don't... I, I get it I get it's a high-speed game, but, like, like that's Pee-wee stuff. That's Adam stuff, right? Like, I did that local league hockey all the way up. Gotta play pipe man coverage. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just like, okay, you see two... If you can throw a blanket over two teammates of yours who are by the puck, maybe I should go and look for someone else instead of just staring at the puck, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I don't have much more to say on that. I think you. I would be fine if you wanted to make a justification if they keep struggling in a few weeks' time that you could fire Mike Babcock. I don't think this is all on Mike Babcock, although. No, I think he's a nice scapegoat, and it's... like And it's, some of it is his fault. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that Mike Babcock is a perfect coach by any means. No, and I don't think anyone believes he's had a great year. No. 
But, Not, yeah. But, I mean, like, in defense of him, he has changed what people have yelled at him about changing for a long time. You know, he's kept Nylander and Matthews together all year this year, too. And it's like, I don't know. Like, again, there's still something. It's like, when Dermot came back, he's like, oh, no, Dermot needs to be taken carefully. You know, he needs to be worked in. You know, he can't just jump up and play top four. And then Hyman came back the other night and played league lead or team-leading minutes <laughs> on all situations. It's like, okay, you can't do it for one and not the other. But still, like... There's more than, obviously there's more than one person that the blame falls on here. Yeah, it's not like it's just Mike Babcock ruining my favorite hockey team, and if he gets fired, they'll magically become the best team in the league. Yeah, um, but I don't but, know, like, it was kind of like what we talked with Maurice, like, maybe you do need a new voice, you know? Like, because I do believe in that sometimes the coach loses the room and the players just don't listen to him as much. You know, and I don't think, I don't know, you can't quantify that, obviously, so it's like... If you if Babcock is good on ice numbers, I'd be okay with keeping him. Well, um, I looked at it a bit ago. When teams fire their coach, their Corsi and stuff goes up like two percent on average. Yeah, which part of that is probably regression to the mean because you're more like it's more likely to be bad teams firing their coach the and whatnot. Ones, yes, but still at the same time, a little some of that well, is like, also like organizational buy-in, right? I'm sure some of it is. Yeah, the players are done or whatever. The new coach comes in and. Like, getting a fresh set of eyes is probably not a bad thing. Yeah. Okay, one more thing, really quick before we go. What did you, What were your thoughts on Kyle Dubas's, uh Cody Cece comments about how he's good analytically so he doesn't understand why everyone freaks out? Um, It kind of felt like Dubas was talking about Twitter, which was mm-hmm. yes, strange. 100%, but my, my thoughts are... Okay, I guess my question is, do you think that Cody Cece has actually been good analytically and that we should be okay with what he has provided, especially given big minutes, or do you think that that's cherry-picking a little bit? He's an interesting case this year because we have horrific priors on Cody Cece, but if you go with a prior as league average, which is the way like RAPM works, Cody Cece has not been that bad this year despite the fact that he has looked horrific. He's like anti what the rest of the Toronto team is. He's okay, so he's 52% in Corsi 4%. That's good. Except for the fact that Toronto we looked at that they control quality. So that still ranks second worst among defenders who or third worst I guess if you count Marinson, but second worst a bunch of defenders who have played more than 7 games. Now the the Toronto's defense score has been pretty you know different this year, so there's only five defensemen who played that. So if you put say six or seven games as your cutoff, where it's like Sandine would play six and Dermott and Marinson played seven, he is third last in that out of eight defensemen. But but then you look at his expected goals numbers and they're fine, and he's first. Shot quality god, Cody Cece. So, and this, to me, kind of goes against everything that you see on the ice, too, which is the weirdest part. Um, and, but I guess it shouldn't be that weird, because my thing with Cody Cece, and I've said this a couple times now, online and here, Cody Cece versus Nikita Zaitsev. Cody Cece does some stuff right where he can break the puck out, he can move the puck, but every game he has one or two of those things where it's like, what on earth are you doing? Where it's like, he just bombs a a pass into the (laughs) slot for a player to tee up on the other team. It's like, what in God's name are you doing with that puck? So I feel like maybe that's why, like, I guess thinking, talking about it right now, it does make sense why the numbers seem better than what he is. Well, I think, so... He's, so those numbers are in tough minutes if you use regularized adjusted plus minus from Evolving Hockey to try to adjust for the context. 
he comes out as above average in every statistic you should care about 300 minutes into the season. Yeah. So, Dubas, I imagine he was citing their internal stuff, not, Honestly, not evolving hockey. But like, he might have been citing that to be like, hey, Twitter, shut up. Yeah. Like, so, like, and let's say CC had, like, the worst course in the NHL right now. Dubas wasn't going to come out and be like, he fucking sucks. Like, yeah. Let's... No. No, obviously, yes. And so, like, that's the other thing. It's like... It's a. I believe someone asked him about his like about CC and what he thought about CC, which is a good question. To yes. Ask. Um. So that's why it's fair. You know, if Dubis would have came out and been like, "Hey guys, why are you hating on CC?" That I wouldn't have understood. Yeah. But if someone asks him, he's not gonna be like, "Yeah, this dude sucks. Like, we need him to improve. He's awful." Like, yeah, he's I, obviously gonna come up and stick up for his player. I always love or people will they'll ask like their coach about their team's Brent Seabrook and they'll be like, ah, this guy's an idiot. He thinks he's good. It's like, well, what the hell did you want him to say? He's yeah. just going to hum him under the bus here? Like, Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't... It's, it's, CeCe's a very weird one because it's like... I don't... He's like one where it's like you wish that you had very reliable individual expected goals for and against rates. Like, you could... Like, you could what quantify you what he brings to the offensive zone, not just his teammates, versus what he actually causes in his own end, if that makes any sense. And like, I know there is some, like, individual ex-school stuff, but, like, like, so the problem with CC for me is that, um, well, like, I think it's very fair to say when you play with better teammates, your surrounding numbers are going to get better. That's yeah, just common 100%. sense. When you're playing with the first line of Toronto, where it's, like, Matthews, Nylander, whoever, versus when you're playing in Ottawa, where it's like last year, at the end of the year, their first line was like, Kachuk, White, not Pajot, like White White went hurt, and like, Duclair maybe, or like, Bobby Ryan, like, he's playing with Bobby Ryan for how many percentage of his ice time. It's fair that your on-ice numbers are going to go up. Yeah. But my issue, I don't even know if my issue, like, I feel like Cody Cece probably hasn't been quite as bad as people rip on him for. No, so that's the thing, like, but... It's tough because so his numbers have, as I've just said, they've been above average everywhere you should really care about at the moment. But we're 350 minutes in and we're talking about a guy who's sucked for years and everybody who has watched him thinks he's been terrible. So it's also not impossible that this is entirely noise. Yes. Or like almost yeah. entirely noise, yes. right? Um, and, you know, my thing is, and so this is kind of where it's like, I think where people, uh, why people get so mad at stats people is, you know, the hashtag watch the game stuff is there's always the people on the one side who go hashtag watch the game and that's just people hating on any spreadsheet they see. <laughs> yeah. Then there's the other side of the aggressive where it's like people will just look at the stats and no matter what say this is what it is, you know. There does need to be a balance somewhere in between. And to me, I always try and use the stats more than the eye test. I think what you should do is look at the stats first and then see it, make sure that, you know, it matches up or, you know, what, what am I missing if my eye test has CC as being so badly defensively, yeah. but the stats say he's good. And so for me, that's the thing where it's like, I think it's fair to say that generally speaking, he has been okay in his own end, but at some point you do have to ask yourself, okay, is what he's providing worth what he's very, very obviously giving up while he's on the ice? And I don't just mean what he's providing while he's on the ice, what the team's providing while he's on the ice, but what he himself is providing while he's on the ice. His isolated... Yeah. And it's kind of like the, it's almost kind of like the Jake Gardner thing, but to almost more of an extent it feels like this year. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, he does give up those horrific plays defense. I was going to compare him to Gardner, actually, because 
maybe the reason is that we're all focusing too much on those horrific defensive plays right now. Like, that's not impossible. I don't think it's terribly likely because, again, we have tons of information that says CeCe's been garbage. But it's a very plausible explanation to me. Yeah, and... Yeah, I don't know. So far, like... I don't it's expect the re- him It's to, 300 minutes. Yeah, like, I, I don't guess... expect him to keep this up going forward. But that is a possibility as to why the eye test doesn't match the numbers on this one. Yes, and, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to look at some stuff. His expected... Oh, what's his actual goals against per 60? Like, his actual goals against per 60. So this isn't expected. This is just what he's been on the ice for against 5v5. He's fifth worst among Leafs defenders. Or, or just like second best, if you want, or like third best, or like second best among ones that have actually played. So for, basically, for yeah, so for the only person who is um, on for less goals per sixty is Justin Hall, and he also has the benefit of not playing as much and not playing against good competition. Yeah. But then when you look at Muzzin, Barry, Riley, and Rinson, I guess, but those the big three there are all on for more goals against so far this year. So it's like. I don't like my. I don't know. Like my question is just, it's one of those things where yes, like Cody Cece makes the just brain dead decision once or twice a game, right? Yep. Um, and that's not. I don't think that's ever going to change. No, he probably is who he is. He's what twenty five. That being said, him taking so much flack, you have to look at it and go, okay, yes, but this guy's also not getting even like his expected goals numbers are better, but he's also not getting scored on as much as the other guys who aren't taking as much flack. Yeah, I don't think he deserves as much heat as he's got thus far. No, definitely not. Um, but that being said, like, I don't because I guess the 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 most frustrating thing about him is if he would just cut the stupid stuff out, he would be a legitimately good NHL defender. Yeah, it's... or maybe not. Okay, maybe but I shouldn't go that far. He would be an NHL defender. He could be average-ish if yes. he didn't. If he wasn't so, because his offense has always been. All right. It's been fine. Like, he, when he jumps up into a rush, he can be a useful player. Yeah. He's never going to be like the Eric Carlson, even Tyson Berry, Morgan Riley type guy, right? Where it's like you control the offense. Yeah. But it's always been his course and expected goals against that have made him one of the worst war players yeah. in the league. And part of that is, like, he's just not good defensively. He hasn't been good defensively. Like, I can tell you that from watching him in Ottawa. And I don't think anyone watched him in Ottawa and said this is a good defensive hockey player. Post 2017, because 2017 people were okay. high on the uh, yeah. Anderson 950 save percentage drug. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but like, by the time he left, nobody yes. was like, oh, we're really going to miss him. No. Um, or at least nobody whose opinion you should value. Yeah. And, and so, like, I don't know. I guess my thing is that uh, it's important to remember team effects as well. That being said, I think that. CC has definitely taken more heat because it's he's still doing better than his teammates yeah. in the same situations, right? But you know, for those people, so I, what I've seen a lot of the time is people comparing CC's graph to Zaitsev's graph. Well, duh, no kidding. The team that the guy who's control, like the team who's on a talented team who's supposed to be controlling play, is going to have better numbers than one of the worst teams in hockey. And uh, granted, Ottawa has actually been good at uh, expected goals this year. And I'm not trying to defend Nikita Zaitsev. I think that he should be off the first pair 10 games ago. Him and Shabbat doesn't work. But that being said, people are trying to dunk on the trade or whatever as if this is why Toronto made it was because of this year right here. This is not why. Toronto no, no. needed to get out of the Zaitsev. Yes, contract, exactly. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Like My, my thing is just kind of like... You know, I guess we, we preach sample size, and then people had a field day last week when uh, Evolving Hockey posted their wrap charts. Like, yeah. just a field day. Being yeah. like, look at this, look at this, look at this. It's like, okay, just take into, 
like just try and take into context a little bit, you know, what team effects have on some of these as well. Is what I ask. And like again, like I don't mean this as like a disrespect to anyone. Like, like I lo- I use the Rapham charts all the time for because they're great. They're awesome so, pieces of analysis. Yeah, they're better at isolating a player's results from his context than the vast majority, if not all people, are from just blind, like just sitting down and watching Hockey Night in Canada on the Saturday. Absolutely. But it's also highly likely that there are unknown unknowns we're not counting for. Yes, that too. Um, so, I don't know. I or, And some known unknowns. There are obviously people that yeah. and pointed out possible it, issues. You know, and that's why I think uh, if, tra- if we get tracking data, that could be exciting because uh, stuff like expected goals can be improved. You know, where it's like, okay, we have the data now to show exactly what Cody Cece did or does he defend certain amount of passes well or, yeah. you know, when he's defending, does the guy get completely wide open? And that'll help all this stuff. And there were always, pro- and that will help, but on the opposite side of the coin, there will always be enough randomness in hockey, I'm willing to bet, that a player's statistics will vary more than his skill. You're never going to have it perfect. Exactly. You're never, ever going to have it. No matter, no sport ever has a perfect. Exactly. And hockey is more random than any other sport. So. Exactly. Yes. So in 350 minutes, even with tracking data, we, there will almost certainly be players that you think look good on paper that are actually bad. Yes. The same way, it's not impossible that CC's RAPM being positive right now is a mirage. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't have much more to say on that. I think it's a pretty good episode. Uh, hour and twenty minutes, a long one. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Do you have anything more to add? I don't think so. No. Um, yeah, I don't. Know. Other than that, just you know, wrapping it up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do on Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow night. Uh, this will be out by the time that happens. So hopefully, it's something. Hopefully, it is something good going forward. I'm assuming they won't do anything big tomorrow night. I think it'll just be kind of like. A casual night, you know, they'll probably have a pan. They'll probably have the same guys who do second intermission do the first intermission, would be my guess. Do you think it will be the most watched in a long time? I would assume so, yeah. I, I would have a hard time seeing how it wouldn't be. I'm going to tune, even if we're drinking or whatever, I'm going to go upstairs and pay attention yeah, or to like, doing you know, or minutes. try and keep it, you know, like... Because people will be posting it all over Twitter right away, too. So yeah, like, watch yeah just there. like but try like, and refresh on Twitter. I well. will be paying attention to the first intermission of Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow. That has not been true in a really, really long time. I can't remember the last time I went, wow, I need to catch the first intermission of Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, me neither. So, uh, other than that, thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, again, I, my only thing with the Don thing is just, you know, go and read different perspectives from it. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if you don't think what he said was wrong. Uh, if if that is the case, uh, you know, just try, like, I, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but, like, just try and see why other people were hurt by the comments. Exactly. Is what I want to ask. If you weren't personally offended because the comments weren't about you, try to understand why someone else was. Yes, and why they why, why we need to try and get these stuff out of ho- this stuff out of hockey. Yeah. Anyways, thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back next week as well. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, we're back on SoundCloud. I don't know why it was being glitchy last week, but our latest one's up. Uh, if you have any questions or anything, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sentence Stuff. You can find Chase at CMHockey66. Uh, and thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.